so I want to talk to you today about generosity. I want to encourage you in your generosity, not just because it's almost Christmas, although this is a great opportunity for generosity, but because this is the next vital distinctive of the early church that we see in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 36, which is what we're going to be looking at today, about a community of people filled with the Spirit and incredibly generous. And, of course, when I talk about generosity, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about being generous with your time, being generous with your attention, being generous with your praise, generous with your talents, generous in every area of your life, because generosity is about becoming an unselfish person when it comes to what you have and who you are. And generosity is a big theme in the Bible, so much so that of the 3,000 plus promises God makes to his people, more are connected to generosity than any other theme. Did you know that? So, for example, Psalm 41, blessed is the one who considers the poor. There's the generosity. And here's the promise, that in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him, the Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. That's the outworking of generosity. And here's another one from the New Testament, give, and it will be given to you. So give, and it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the measure you use, the amount of generosity You show it will be measured back to you. Think about that. Wow, that's Jesus. So what is generosity and why is God so interested in it? Why is he so interested in us learning to be generous? Well, because generosity is love in action. Generosity is love in action. You see, you can't give without love. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can't be loving without being generous. And if I tell my wife I love her, but I'm not generous with my wife, I don't really love her. If I'm not generous with my kids, I don't really love my kids. They're going to be looking out at Christmas to find out how much I love them. Careful. But you see, love gives and it doesn't take. Love gives, it doesn't take. God so loved the world that he gave. There it is, generosity in action, love in action. And if I'm not a generous person, I'm not a loving person. I may think I am, but I'm not because love is about giving, not getting. It's not about having. Love is not selfish. It's patient. It's kind. Generosity is love in action. Someone did a study of the major words of the Bible, and I found this intriguing. Words like believe. We all know that's an important word, don't we? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It's a very important word. 272 pounds. 272 times it appears in the Bible. Pray, that's an important word. 371 times. Love, that's obviously a very important word. 714 times. Then the word give. How many times do you think the word give appears in the Bible? Any guesses? How many? A thousand? Keep going. Not quite. 2,152 times. 
2,152. Why? Because God is interested in giving. He's very generous. God is generous. I mean, your life is the evidence of God's generosity. You know, everything that you have, all that you are, is a gift from God. If God wasn't generous, you'd have nothing. Your heart would stop beating right now because he's the giver of life. He's so generous, he gives you the air to breathe. He gives you sunshine and rain. You've got a mind to think, people to love. Why? Because he's generous. And God wants us to be like him. He wants us to be generous too. Which is why when his spirit is poured out on a community of people, that's what we see. That's what generosity looks like. It looks like him. It's a reflection of heaven on earth through the church. The church has got to be the most generous people on earth because of his spirit in us. And so we read this description of the early church that Luke gives us in Acts 4, 32 to 35. All the believers, say that word, all, (laughs) all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one, say no one, (laughs) no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything. Say that, everything. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person amongst them. No needy person. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to everyone. Say that, everyone who had need. Amen? That's love in action. That's love in action that we see in the church manifest in spirit-filled community. There were thousands of people. Don't think about a tiny little church somewhere in Solihull. When you're thinking about the early church, this was thousands of people that met in Solomon's colonnade and all of them were in one heart and one mind. They shared everything that they had and no one was in need. Thousands of people were talking about it. Just get the scale of what God had done in that church. No needy people amongst them. Not because needy people were excluded. That would be one way of making sure there was no needy people. Keep them out, you know. No, but because of the generosity of a loving family of believers. Because you see, the church is a family, not an organization. It's not a business, it's a family. You know that, don't you? Although there is something you need to understand in this snapshot of the early church, that this wasn't normal times for them. Anybody know what that's like at the moment? (laughs) This wasn't normal times. There was great need amongst them. Many people had lost their jobs, been cut off from their families and communities because of their decision to follow Jesus. You know, they've given up everything to do this. Not many of us have had to make such a costly decision, but it it meant that the usual support systems weren't there anymore. There there was no money of support from the temple because they'd disconnected themselves from the temple. There was no government handouts. There was limited family support. And so the family of believers stepped in, showing their love through their generosity. So what does that look like? Well, we see their generosity in, first of all, their attitude to their possessions. 
So what they had, they shared. It wasn't that people suddenly got rid of everything they owned, some kind of Christian communism. It was that their possessions didn't possess them, and they, what they had, they held lightly. That's in verse 32. And we can see their generosity in their attitude to the needs among them. Now, as financial needs came to their attention, people sold their land and possessions to alleviate the problem. No one told them to do this. There was no cult leader who forced them to do it. They did it willingly, prompted by the Spirit, out of love for one another. That's what motivated it, because generosity is love in action. Verse 34. And we also see that generosity wasn't just a theoretical concept to them. It led to practical action in verse 35. Because money that was raised from the sales was handed over to the apostles who administered the distribution and support to those who needed it. And we don't know how they worked this out, except that Luke was able to say that there was no needy people amongst thousands of people. What an amazing achievement. So what does generosity look like? It looks like this. It's attitude. It's an attitude of heart which is often measured in money. And even though generosity is not exclusively about money, the reality is that how generous we really are often comes down to a number. So how generous are you? How generous are we? If we were to measure generosity like that, It comes down to a number. So what does it mean to be generous? Well, it could look like the Jerusalem church, as we've seen. You know, we could all sell up. uh, We could move in together and live from a common purse. Some Christian communities have tried this over the years with limited success. But you'll be relieved to know that Luke never says that we're to do this. And there's no evidence that living like this continued as the church spread out from Jerusalem and all the English people say, phew. (laughs) So I don't think this is the point of Luke's record that we should uh, take away from his account that we all need to live communally in some way. Rather, it's that we should seek to imitate the care of the needy and the sacrificial generosity which the Holy Spirit created in this community. Imitate it. Imitate the generosity that we see in that place, especially in times of great need where they're not normal times. We need to be generous with one another when there's not normal times, especially. It's more like, look, this is what happens when the people of God are put under pressure. They come together. It's more like, this is how a spirit-filled community looks like in a financial crisis. There's an outpouring of sacrificial generosity and love to one another. You know, so that when you hear that someone's lost their job, you support them in some way. You pay their grocery bill. You take around a meal. When you hear that somebody's car has been stolen, you offer them your spare car. When you know someone's sick, you pick up their kids. When people are persecuted, we gather around them. When they're in prison, we care for their families. In time of uncertainty and a national crisis, the church shows love because that's what we do. It's his spirit in us. Nobody's telling us to do this. You know, his spirit in us compels us so that we're generous and we can't help but show love to one another. 
No wonder Jesus says, this is how the world are going to know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. Look out, world. Look in. See what God's doing amongst his people. Look how they love one another. I want to be part of that. (laughs) Generosity is about going further than we have before. It's giving sacrificially, but it's also giving willingly. Giving in such a way that it costs us something personally. Get it? I mean, it's challenging stuff, but I want to drive it home a bit further. (laughs) So if you're already feeling challenged, we're going to go a bit further today because I want to talk about some of the things that generosity is not. It's going further. It's showing love, but it's also not some things. Because generosity is not about your tithe or your regular giving, for example. Giving a tithe, a percentage of your income, means that some people think, I'm already being generous. Now look how much I give to the church. But biblically, that's not being generous, it's just being obedient. Because, you know, if you were to look at the Old Testament, where the idea of tithing comes from, it says that a tithe of everything from the land, where the grain, from the soil, or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It already does. So when we give, that's just, we're agreeing with that. We're agreeing with the truth of what the Bible says. It's holy to the Lord. It already belongs to him. So that not giving, it says elsewhere, is like stealing from God. I mean, that's harsh, isn't it? That's, that's what it says if you want to go down that route. And a tithe means giving 10% of your wealth into the community of the people of God, although this isn't, and although this isn't specifically continued in the New Testament. There are arguments for saying that it doesn't apply together today, but it's a good starting place. It's a good starting place for thinking about how much we give. But, and here's the point, giving generously would mean more than a tenth. (laughs) If a tithe was the minimum amount of the law, generosity is about going further, giving more than the minimum that's required. That's challenging, isn't it? I didn't want to do this talk just before Christmas. But that's the benefit of going through scripture. You come to things in the time that God wants us to come to them. So think about these things as we come to Christmas. Secondly, generosity is not exactly about the amount that you give. In Mark 12, there's an occasion where Jesus watches at the temple as each of the people put their money into the offering box. I think he stands at the bank now and looks at the standing order. But he saw the rich throwing in apparently large amounts of money, making a big show, no doubt. And then a rich, a poor widow comes along and puts in two very small copper coins. They were worth very little. But there was something about it that caught Jesus' eye. And he says to his disciples, look at this woman. This poor widow, she's put more into the treasury than anybody else because they've given out of their wealth what was left over at the end of the month. But she, out of her poverty, she's put in everything that she had to live live on because proportionally she gave more than the rich and that was true generosity, giving out of poverty, not wealth, which kind of supports the point again that generosity is about sacrifice. It has to cost us something. Thirdly, generosity really isn't just about the money. (laughs) 
I've already said it, that generosity is an attitude, it's a whole disposition towards everything that we have and all that we are. And it would be wrong for it because it would, then would be wrong for us to think that having given our money, that's the end of our responsibility for others. As if you could somehow outsource love and compassion by paying somebody else to do it for you. It's all right, we've got the storehouse. Why do I need to get involved? We, we as a church do that kind of stuff. We, we help people in debt. So why do I need to do anything? There's no personal connection. There's no responsibility that we take for these things. But generosity is about the posture of our hearts towards others. And sometimes it means forgiving generously. I'm going to forgive them again. They've hurt me, but I'm going to forgive them again. Sometimes generosity is about giving praise freely. Giving praise freely. That's the culture of honor that we live by. We give praise. We call out the gold in one another. Love overlooks things. And we call out the best in people. Sometimes generosity is just about encouraging. (laughs) Encouraging one another. Instead of groan, they're going through it again. No, I'm going to just encourage them. You can do this. Come on, we believe in you. Anybody need some encouragement today? Most times when we ask that question, a whole load of people put their hands up. We need to encourage one another regularly. And your leaders need encouraging. It's about having a generous spirit, having a generous heart. Because it's entirely possible for us to give away huge amounts of money, but still be ungenerous. That's the delicate way of saying selfish in our attitude to one another. Generosity is not about giving out of guilt and obligation, it's another not. It's not about guilt and obligation. So if you're feeling any guilt right now, that's not what this is about. We we can all feel guilted into giving, manipulated by false promises, twisted scripture, (laughs) threats. But that's not how God wants us to give. An unreasonable pressure as opposed to challenge, which is what I want to give you, a biblical challenge, certainly doesn't engender a generous heart, actually. It just makes us really grumpy about giving and reluctant. So we give stingily, even when we give big amounts. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9-7 that everyone should give what he's decided in his heart to give. It's got to be a heart decision. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Trev uh, Wilson famously has given the money talk at our welcome group many times to say, we don't want your money. To such an extent that some of the elders in the room started to get worried. (laughs) But it's the right spirit. We're not after your money. You know, for some people, you see, it's going to mean different things at different times to be generous. For Alice and I, in the early days of our marriage, we really didn't have any money to give. We could barely make a living ourselves. But we gave of ourselves and we served others. Generosity isn't 
isn't about giving so much as a willingness to give sometimes. God loves a cheerful giver. You know, cheerful givers are the kind of people you want to go to the pub with. <laughs> I just want to, I want cheerful givers for friends. Do you? I never get to pay then, you know. It's, I like people who fight me to pay, isn't that? That's the kind of friends that we want. They're people that respond quickly and eagerly to need when they see it. There's no question. There's, I'm going to give. I want to be generous. I, I just love you. I, I just want to bless you. <laughs> Don't have to be persuaded. I remember um, a few years ago, we made this decision, and I want to. This is a precedent decision. This is a foundational decision that we made as a, a leadership team when we needed to buy lots of carpet for a new building that we'd moved into. And when we looked at the bill, we didn't have the money in the bank. And so we thought, well, we need to do a, you know, gift gift day or whatever it's called. And, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to do a gift day. I don't want to do a gift day. I don't want to put pressure on people and guilt them into giving. That goes completely against our culture as a church. And so we felt at the same time it was right to share the need with the church. So look, there is a need, but we're not looking to you for the money. We're looking to God. But if you want to participate in this adventure that we're on, we've worked out that each carpet tile costs 75p. I don't know what it was. A pound, maybe. So do you know what? The kids even got involved and started doing sponsored walks for tiles so that they had a sense of ownership together as a community. We had a sense of ownership over that carpet. And as I left that building, I looked at the carpet and said, that's ours! (laughs) But that's the spirit of generosity that we want to engender amongst us. Come on, let's have an adventure. Let's see what God can do. Because I know we haven't got the money in our pockets. I haven't got it in mine anyway. But you know, God gave, we got given more than we needed to pay everything for that building. It was incredible how the money just poured in from all kinds of unexpected places. Some of the children gave the least, but they gave the most. (laughs) And I love that. Teaching kids about giving. And that's the atmosphere that we want to create, the atmosphere of generosity as a church, a church of cheerful givers who actually get a kick out of it. (laughs) You up for that? And if that's not your motivation for giving, then honestly, we'd rather you didn't give. Rather you didn't. God's going to look after us. He'll provide some other way. We mean that. We don't want you to give until something changes in your heart so that you can give it out of a sense of fun and adventure. Hey, what's God going to do? That's what we want. Loaves and fishes, guys. Loaves and fishes. That's what we want. And generosity isn't about getting rid of all your possessions. Now, if this was true, then how could anyone in the book of Acts ever have anything to sell when the need arose? If they never owned anything. Some people think that what was sold was more like the excesses of what people had that raised the money. So I've got a farm. I don't really use it. You know, I've got a house in the city, so I'll sell the farm. 
don't really need it anyway. Um, because, and it's obvious that this is the case because people still had homes to meet in later on in the book. You see that so-and-so lent their home and another person lent their extravagant large home that can seat many thousand people somehow. <laughs> so there were some possessions. Some people owned some stuff. But they were generous. The Bible never says it's wrong to be rich. Did you know that? Never says that it's wrong to have possessions, but God wants us to be generous with what we have and be willing to share it with others, especially in the church. Which is why the gospel, come on, can we see this? This is why the gospel is meant to be good news for the poor. Imagine being part of a community of people like that, where you can actually use their stuff because of the generosity that's engendered. Oh guys, we've been blessed so much. There's so many people that have stuff that are willing to share. We've been to holidays in places we'd never be able to go to holidays in. I've grown, fallen in love with the south of France because of the generosity of some people. It's meant to be good news for the poor, and it's why there were no needy people among them. 1 Timothy 6.18, Paul says... Command the rich to do good. Not to give away all their money. To command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds. And be generous and willing to share. Just felt like somebody needed to hear that today. He wants to remove some of the guilt of having stuff. I just break that off you, some kind of legalistic thing that's come on you. God never said that. But I command you to do good (laughs) and be willing to share. So go and earn as much as you can. I mean it. Gain wealth and goods, but be generous and willing to share. People often say that I prophesy often about people getting promotions. But it's God's heart. Alex, you've got a promotion. And there's more for you to come. I believe that. Mark, there's a promotion coming for you. There's significance for you of a national level, I believe, in education. I prophesy promotion. There's people here that need to know that it's okay to be promoted. Paul, you're going to get promotion after promotion. But it's not going to exhaust you because God has gifted you. So that when that pressure comes, when that stress comes, say, no, God has gifted me for this. In Jesus' name. John Marshall, there's more promotions coming for you very soon. After Christmas, I believe that there's going to be another offer to you. In Jesus' name. I just prophesy promotion. People thrive. People of God thrive. But be generous and willing to share. So let me just conclude. Generosity is about imitating God himself. He's just had his promotion. He's (laughs) got to go and answer the phone. He's he's become... (laughs) Our very own Christmas elf, Paul Norris, everybody. 
do you know how he got the job? I told them that he looked good in tights. Uh, <laughs> how do I know that? Because I've seen him on his bike. <laughs> anyway, can you edit that bit, actually? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, dear, my mind is full of images now. Um, let me just conclude. <laughs> Generosity is about imitating God himself. It's about not being selfish, but giving of ourselves. Giving our money and being willing to share what we have with others. So guys, how generous are you really? And how generous would you like to be? I remember in those early days of our marriage, where we didn't have much, I said, Lord, would you increase what we have so that we can give more? And then I got a promotion. So there's a pattern here. And literally I got a new job where we could then afford to give generously what we had. How generous would you like to be? How about that as a motivation for getting promotion? Don't delay acting though. Because I think God will already have started to stir you. He stirred me this, as I've been trying to prepare this this week. Oh, crumbs, I'm going to have to think about this. You can't just preach and not do something, otherwise it makes you a hypocrite. So that's always slightly risky about preaching these kinds of things. But I just felt God say, don't delay acting if he stirred you. Generosity is never just a theoretical concept. That's what we see in the early church, it led to practical action. And I love that song we sang. We don't want to just sing this. Yeah. Fill us up and send us out, Lord. Give us generous outcomes from this message. It's never just a theoretical concept. It's always got a practical outworking. So what are you going to do about it? I, I just want to say, uh, I... I I so often want to boast about you. I, you know when Paul boasts about people, and I feel like that about you. Because I'm privileged to so many little bits of generosity that go on throughout the church. I get to hear things. People tell me, you won't believe what somebody's done for us. They gave us a car. You won't believe what somebody's done. They've paid for us to go on holiday. You wouldn't believe what somebody's done for us. We've had meals week after week after week, and they didn't know that we didn't have anything to buy food with. I love that about this church. So I just want to say that to you. I'm not preaching because I'm saying, you guys, you're not being generous enough. I'm not saying that. People here have given faithfully year after year after year. Thank you. So that's where I'm coming from. Thank you so much your generosity. I love this church. Um, Angela Kem uh, spoke to me just a few months ago and said, you know, one of the things that really stands out about your church is generosity and a love of the spirit. She said, I think you've got a message to share more widely about that. So then I get to speak on it. So how cool is that? But I want to thank you for giving so generously and so consistently. But I also think there are some challenges ahead for many of us. But I want to encourage you to keep being generous with one another and responding quickly to the needs in the church especially. Did you notice that? That so often when it talks about giving, it talks about giving to one another first 
and then after that it talks about giving to the needs of the community. Haven't got time to unpack that right now, but it's a spiritual principle. The good news for the poor happens amongst the people of God. There are some challenges ahead of us. And we need to be rich in generosity and willingness to share. Keep being. Keep being. And I think there's also an opportunity just to think about how loving and generous we are in giving to one another and to the work of the church here. Ask yourself, not because I'm putting pressure on you, but I want to encourage you. Say, Lord, am I being generous enough? What would you like me to give this year? As we come into the new year, it's a time to think about it. What am I going to do this year? What, what generous act can I show to somebody? How about that? Go and decorate somebody's house. Presumably, uh, if you are actually good at doing that. We've had people decorate that aren't so good, and we've had to do it again in the past. So, uh, Anyway, um, but perhaps you haven't started giving at all yet. This isn't a grace that you've discovered from God. I want to challenge you. Have a go. Start giving. I've actually put some forms out the back there on the table gift aid and standing order. And I'm inviting you to partner with us and start giving and see what God does. There's a joy. There's, it's a fun thing to do, to give. So many times we've given and God's given back to us, not all the time, but often. Prayerfully consider what should we be giving. But I also want to finish with another response that, that may be relevant to some other people here and that is that you may be struggling at the moment financially. I want to make an offer to you. Ask for help. We'd love to help you. <laughs> um, I, I want to encourage you to share your need with somebody. If, if you really are struggling making ends meet, we want to be family to you. We want to be family with one another. We want to help if we can. A few years ago, we set up a fund uh, which anyone this is going out on the internet isn't it? Um, which anyone in the church in the church so if you want, if you want this you 've got to join jubilee um, just a little plug there uh, we We want to say that if there 's anybody in the church that 's struggling that you can apply to this fund when you need it and we've and we also have a number of very gifted people who are able to give debt advice or help us with with uh, budgeting. We even have an expert who's written a book on it back there, Mr. Paul Plagerson, who's just run a money course. Uh, so that, that is a practical way that we can serve and help one another with these kinds of things in the church. So speak to somebody. Don't go away feeling condemned, but actually go say, I, I need to take some action. I need some help right now. And just be honest with one another. Because if, we, if you don't say, we, we don't know. I mean, God can speak to us and that does happen, but it doesn't always. And I think there's something in exercising faith by saying, family, I need help at the moment. All right? So I hope that helps because generosity is love in action. And we want to show love to you and be family with one another. Help us to show love to one another as a spirit-filled community of God's people. Amen? So instead of calling you to the front, I'm calling you to go to the back, fill out the form. No, I'm just joking. Can we just commit this to God? I just felt like um, 
that generosity, this is what I prayed when I was preparing this. Lord, would, would you cause generosity to be a hallmark of this church? Yeah. That we would get known for it. That even our town would know about it. Can you join me in that prayer? Yeah. Can you amen with me? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to pray and then you can amen. How about that? Would you stand, stand together? We always stand when we pray, don't we? And I think it's just a way of uh, showing our agreement. So, Lord, we'd stand together and say, Lord, will you make us as a church very generous? And, Father, will you do something in us by the Holy Spirit that it becomes a hallmark of this church, that we get known for being a generous church, Father. We want to be generous with one another. We want to be good news for the poor. We want to be generous with other churches. We want to be generous, Father, with our community. Now, Lord, would you please unlock incredible wealth amongst us so that we can be phenomenally generous, supernaturally generous, Father. Will you, will you give us buildings so that we can be generous with resourcing others, Father? Will you, will you give us resources so that we can pour out and give away so that, yeah, Lord, even in times of real trial and difficulty, Father, that we can become uh, like the storehouses of Joseph in times of famine. Lord, would you give us storehouses of blessing? Father, we cause heaven's blessing to be upon us. Lord, we promise to be generous with what you give us, Father. Help us to do that so that we can obey that command to the rich to be generous and willing to share. And I pray, Father, for some really significant promotions amongst us as a church. Father, that people would come here and get promoted somehow, that there would be breakthroughs in jobs and significance in Jesus' name. We ask you for that for your glory because, Lord, we want you to be famous through us. We want people to look at Jubilee and say, wow, what is God doing in that place? We ask you for that for your glory. So Lord, we come with our loaves and our fishes and we say, Lord, will you multiply all that we have for your glory to feed your people, to feed the world even, Jesus, for your name's sake. Amen. Thank you, Father. Jesus. I just want to pray as well for anybody that's in need at the moment. I, I just want to pray that you'd unlock supernatural provision for them. Uh, sometimes God will just make us ask one another, and I know that there's a kind of a shame thing that we need to get over there, but that's because he wants us to be healed with love, not kept out by shame. So Lord, I just want to pray that if there's anybody un- under any shame, that, that would be broken now in Jesus' name. I just pray that healing would come through this community and through the love of one another. Father, we want to prefer one another and lift one another up for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to be good news for the poor in this place. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're so good, Lord. We love you. We love you. You're so generous, Lord. Thank you for giving Jesus to us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Praise God.